You're listening to Make It Thrive, the company culture podcast. I'm your host, Lizzie Benton, culture consultant and founder of Liberty Mind, and I want to inspire people to create unique company cultures where our human potential can thrive. In this podcast, I talk to organizations and employees about the impact of company culture. Together, we can make it thrive. Hello and welcome back to Make It Thrive, the company culture podcast with me, your host, Lizzie Benton. Today, I have Rupert Dean joining me on the podcast for some water cooler conversations. Rupert is the founder and CEO of X and Y. He is an ex-corporate lawyer who realized all was not well in the traditional corporate world, and he has since been on a personal mission to find his why. Rupert has realized that there is a relationship between a company's positive values and its success from hiring better employees to building a better brand. This is what he refers to as a company's purpose, its reason for being beyond profit, its why. X and Y designs and builds innovative, green, flexible workspaces to unite these communities of purpose-driven entrepreneurs and businesses. If you have the chance to visit an X and Y space when you're in the UK or if you're in London, then I highly recommend you pop in because there really is no other unique co-working space than an X and Y. Today, Rupert and I are talking about, let's be honest, inflexible working. We have heard so much about flexible working over the past year thanks to COVID. So the real question is, will more businesses be moving to a hybrid flexible working model or won't they? Is it all just talk? Are businesses really going to change their ways of working? And what is our resistance to flexible or hybrid working models? So let's get started. Hi, Rupert, and welcome to Make It Thrive, the company culture podcast. So for those of you listening, I have two disclaimers to put out before you start listening. First of all, I apologize in advance for how I sound. I'm getting over a five-day cold, so get out your pity parties. And second of all, I live near an RAF base, and they have decided today of all days to test out their new jet planes. So while it looks very cool outside of my window, it's not very practical for recording a podcast. So I do apologize in advance if there's any sound interruption from overhead planes. But with disclaimers over, thank you so much, Rupert, for joining me today. Not at all. It's great to be here. Probably a disclaimer that I've got three young children. So I'll also put a disclaimer that if they start knocking on a door, um, I apologize in advance. (laughs) That's quintessential 2020. We're used to that by now. I was going to say, it's, 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 it sums up the last 16 months, right? <laughs> Absolutely. So today we are talking about flexible working or inflexible working, as it may appear to be becoming, um, and how all of that's kind of panning out. I mean, from the news, we've seen so many companies have decided to, you know, be really like hyper flexible, like do all this hybrid working and do a mixture of kind of remote and in-office working. You've got some people who are saying, no, we are definitely not doing flexible working. Um, yeah, where where do we think it's going to go, Rupert? What's going to happen? Well, I guess that's the million, the million dollar question, isn't it? Because I think there's a lot of discussion um, at the moment. And I think there has to be 
a lot of debate around it, particularly, I, I guess, principally from a, a health and safety perspective, firstly. So, you know, what is in the best interest of uh, my employees? And should I be encouraging them to come to the office? I get that there are certain benefits potentially to having an office, but can I get them back in? And that's obviously starting to lead to a question of, well, what is it that is going to be our long-term or perhaps even our medium-term solution to to this? And and uh, the ultimate question is, what is the role of the office, right? Mm. And I mean, certainly at X and Y, uh, there was a there was a belief that the office should never have been about a place that you went to go and sit at a desk. Uh, we've spoken about this before, but you, you don't go to go and sit at a desk from nine till five, because I think we've all worked out that through reasonably decent internet, uh, you can, if you manage to avoid your kids and RAF jets and various other things, that actually you can work at home at a desk, but. I think what you don't get is all the other benefits that we can talk about, but, you know, relate specifically to culture and mentorship and brand and, and product, to some extent, some productivity and, and meetings are often or quite often um, more beneficial in person. So I think there are definite benefits, but uh, who knows what, what some people are going to, are going to do. I, I don't think a lot of people are declaring, uh, at the moment that they will instigate, apart from Goldman Sachs, a, a pre-COVID, pre-pandemic way of working. Um, but that's principally because that's their culture. Their culture is that the office is fundamental to what they do. It's very much the, you know, that's that that's their, their brand, I guess. And people who go and work there know that that's what they're going to get. But for a lot of other companies, I'd say for the potentially for the majority of other companies, it's it's slightly different. And the office is is a more sort of controversial and debatable product. Mm, yeah, I think people will definitely think differently, hopefully, about their office space at the very minimum. I mean, compared to how yeah. we used to look at it, if there's one thing that that could change, hopefully, because, you know, like we've seen so many spaces are still these kind of monotonous, like grey kind of, yeah. Oh, just yeah, they they don't instigate any kind of creativity or collaboration. So I'm hoping that at the bare minimum, people will at least think differently about how they use their space. Yeah, I agree. And actually, you know, like a, a lot of companies have to look at their space now, and um, you know, they have to think that does my office. Uh, actually reflect the culture that I want to create and therefore is it the best way to be able to attract talent you know that in, in, a, in a in a a world of of sort of warfare over talent basically you know and transience to some extent right from employees these days mm. that actually your office should should serve to promote and inspire the brand that you seek to create and so I definitely think uh, people should think and always have done, notwithstanding COVID, that, that people should think about their their offices in that way. But I also think just from a pure kind of P&L perspective, you know, the, the office is, I don't know, as much as 20% of potentially a company's total cost outlay. And that's a significant, that's a significant amount. And I think that people should really consider uh, you know, now that they've worked out that they can probably do some sort of remote working, but also hopefully they work out they can do some sort of flexible working, that actually it doesn't need to be that way. And you certainly don't need to be 
locked in for any sort of great length of time because you never know when the next macro issue is going to come storming around the corner and force you to do something that you never thought possible. Because I think most people probably thought that that the, the, the what was going to determine the amount of office space they needed or whatever was going to be their own business plan. And yeah. everybody always thinks their business plan is going to perfectly diagonal across a chart over a period of time. But uh, sadly, and sometimes happily, uh, because you either smash it or don't smash it, 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 it doesn't. And quite often, you actually go with a bit of a curly-whirly <laughs> kind of along the graph. Um, but But now you've got this other thing which you can't control called sort of global pandemics and you know climate change or god forbid anything anything else really so um i think people have got to look at it and think what's going to inspire my my employees to come back how do i think about good service what does health and safety look like and how do i minimize my liability mm. and potentially look at sort of taking space on an as needed basis mm. um much more so so um so i think these are those are sort of general themes but you know like i also don't take away from the fact that it's actually really difficult to 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 create that way of working it it is frankly just easier to say to people people you either all work at home in which case you forego quite a lot sort of the benefits Mm -hmm. or all come in everything else is actually really like don't underestimate kind of how difficult that is to to place so I, i think there will be a lot of kind of um trialing and a lot of kind of thinking about how it works over the next kind of from september to if i was guessing man from september 2021 to to kind of september 2022 probably to be honest Mm, yeah do you think i mean there's a lot of people already kind of talking i mean i mean there's been a lot of press over the past sort of few weeks as well around the whole like four day week concept and things like that and that's got a lot of coverage do you think that's something that you know, is one of the models that people are going to try and trial and, you know, is it kind of like, do you think more people are going to go along this all or nothing kind of route? Like, right, let's just stick to one model and let's make it easier for everyone (laughs) rather than this kind of, because I get this feeling that people are still really poor at making decisions about what they think they should do. And there's this like, like analysis paralysis like everyone's over analyzing everything and kind of going gosh where are we going to be and trying to do loads of guesswork and I think it just doesn't work that way I just after the year we've had I think it just goes to prove that we can't analyze anything because even your business strategy last year would have just been blown out of the water so I, I get this sense that there's this kind of almost this decision making dilemma going on in a lot of places I think so. I think I think there's also a complete reluctance to talk about it as well from a sort of a lot of employers who are mm. probably very keen potentially to get employees back into the office, but it's um it's in pretty poor taste and and it doesn't it doesn't matter whether or not the government you know changes it as they have done recently from being um, an order to work from home to you know it's up to you but gradually come in it it just doesn't matter i'll tell you why it's because there are still soaring caseloads going on so there is still this sort of general fear and i and i seriously don't underestimate the level of fear that is potentially out there at the moment um as long as the bad news you know generally keeps on you know trickling in albeit that obviously we've got the 
the joy of a vaccine, but caseloads are going up. People are still getting a bit sick and no one wants to get sick, mm. um, let alone obviously anything worse. So I, I do think there's a general fear. So as long as that continues, then I think there'll be a general reluctance for employers to unnecessarily talk about it. Um, they might want to plan it in the background, but I, I just think there's probably a slight reluctance um, mm. to start talking about these things. I suspect that will that may start to to shift. Uh, I, I would guess, kind of. I think people will just ignore it for August, but it may start to shift in September because August is basically like it's, it's broadly a write off, right? <laughs> yeah, uh, I think everyone's going on holiday in August, isn't it? It's a national holiday, like the whole I month. Think, I think it's going to be like Europe. It's going to be like France, where August <laughs> is definitely off. Um, which is definitely, I, I massively condone. I'm a big fan of just taking off in time months. Um, <laughs> but I know, I, I do think August will be a kind of national kind of, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong, but I, I do feel like, you know, that'll be the last of it. I think everyone, the general consensus I've had from talking to people in my industry um, who talk to obviously quite a lot of other industries as a result of, of housing them, um is it's incredibly intense it has been for the best part of six months i mean before that everyone was in shell shock and 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 it really hit everyone but i think for the last six months you know there's been a real earnestness to 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 get back to you know what what business has been doing or you know and, and frankly getting on with life and um and i think that the theme has been just the intensity of which it's come back because everyone sort of felt like they decided to make that decision at the same time. Yeah. And just, I think people, ironically, considering everyone's working at, heart, at home, uh, or perhaps it's not ironic, but have not worked this hard for a very, very, very long time. Uh, or maybe it's a feeling, I don't know, but the, the, the general census is, is intense. And I think people will now want to settle back into some sort of routine, potentially, where, where they do get away from that intensity. And they do get away from the sort of 24 7 uh, approach um but i do think people will look at august and go as a result of that or of that sort of intensity i've just got to make it to that line and then i'm off i'm, I'm off for august i bet you you know I, there will be there'll be a general consensus that people are hard to get hold of in august I'm no doubt about it Maybe we should make it a thing, Rupert. Maybe we should start a petition. <laughs> National month of holiday. I don't think we need to. I don't think we need to. I think it'll be fine. I think it's already done. Uh, it's like a quiet, quiet petition that everyone's already signed, I'm convinced. But anyway, let's see. Um, yeah. But yeah. I can definitely relate to that feeling of, you know, like, I mean, I'm I'm very, I mean, I'm in a very fortunate position that I've had a home office for a whole year, you know, like, um, I've not been working in a bedroom in a one bed flat somewhere or, you know, at a kitchen table like my partner has been um, sort of, you know, sanctioned to the kitchen table. But it's still that idea that you've literally been in the same environment for an entire year. And mm. that itself is mentally exhausting. You know, we've literally been doing everything from eat, sleep, work, repeat <laughs> for a whole year. And it it is intense and that idea of and I think one of the big problems when it comes to flexible working or or the idea especially of of constant remote working is you're always on you know this the switching off is way harder to do than when you've got that separation of space mm, and that I kind agree. of divide I agree I, I think I think that's what generates the intensity of work because I also think people worry 
that they're not doing enough because they're at home. Mm. I think they worry that to switch off is to do no work. And, you know, they, they have to justify the fact that they're working from home by increasing their output or or just generally the sense of justification of existence for the for the off you know at work and I I, I I'm I, I I get that I get I totally get that um, but it's not healthy right I mean that's that's not a that's not a healthy mindset um, and I agree that quite often the office does give you that chance to uh, lock and unlock really easily you have those boundaries it's very clear in your day to day operation. Mm. Yeah. And your day-to-day modus operandi. So, I, I, I mean, I don't also underestimate like how tiring it is going into the office again because I have been doing it now for, well, you know, for a, a little bit. And since I've been doing it, sort of three times a week, let's say, and I commute an hour, over an hour each way. Wow, I mean, <laughs> it's pretty tiring. To this day, and, and, and because I don't go, I, I do what I preach in some ways, and I do go to go to meetings and to see people and to convene and and either, you know, have fun or promote culture or, or have meetings. They are naturally exhausting days anyway, followed by, you know, getting on the train and then having to catch up with your desk work. And all. it does it does get pretty mad. But then, you know, there is this kind of sense. But, but I tell you what else I do without actually doing any physical activity other than being on my feet and going around is I close all of my rings on my <laughs> on my on my watch. It tells you that you know you're bu- you're burning some calories. You're doing your standing and your exercise rings. It's no problem. So you're definitely you're definitely on your feet and uh, I'm working out. I'm working. It's great. Um, so yeah, but 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 anyway, I'm sure people will get back into it. But I just think there's got to be a um, it, you know what it comes down to that very boring routine word. You know, like just getting into it, it's like. I'm going to be working Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and hang on, let me have a think. Yeah, Thursdays. And that leaves Monday and Friday off, which is quite convenient. So I'll work from home those days. And if it's a four-day week, it's a Friday. Yeah. Uh, it's a Friday. <laughs> so, or actually, no, that maybe you should take off the Monday. Friday's basically off day anyway. <laughs> that's perfect. That's like coming into work over, you know, the, 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 in between Christmas and New Year. Like, that's a really good time because yeah. it doesn't count towards holiday. But it's really <laughs> quiet. Um, so, anyway, we um, we digress. But who knows? Who knows what it's going to do? But it, it will start to fall into a bit of a pattern at some point over the next couple of months. Yeah. I think you're right, though. When it comes to that idea around mindset, I think it's really – we have still this kind of really ingrained – really outdated mindset towards this whole you know like what what does a productive day look like you know we kind of have this idea of oh well you know there's there's the kind of traditional nine to five that everyone kind of still works towards but even that in itself you know it doesn't matter how many times the data says it's not productive to work you know eight hours a day or whatever we still kind of end up leaning towards that way. And it's so conditioned. I mean, I remember when I first started working for myself, 
um, I actually felt bad when I didn't do like an eight hour day. Like I had this guilt. I was like, oh my gosh, you know? And like underneath that was this mindset of like, well, Lizzie, if you're not working eight hours or let's be honest, as an entrepreneur, you should be at least working 16 hours. Like you should be working well into the early hours if you want to be successful. Like we have these crazy, ridiculous cultural mindsets around the hours we work. And it's like this badge of honor, like, if you're not burned out, if you're not like, you know, weeping over your desk, it's kind of like, did you really earn that? It's just yeah. this really wrong way of being. Yeah, I think it's a bit of a, I, I think it's also, um, the, the cultural point is a really interesting one because I think far too many of us, and I, though I put myself into this, I'm definitely not uh, a soapbox preacher, but I do think that people react they, they create reactive ways of working so um and and home working is a nightmare for dealing with this right because if you want to ask a question you send an email or you do a team's call and you just like you just like right bang and everyone's available 24 7 24 7 and it's like bam email and if you're not responding you know or are you working from home or are you out in the garden you know and um and people don't you know cultures as I say, by the way, I'm, I'm the worst of this, but like planning and the fact that, you know, how you go about sort of doing your work uh, and the, that cultural set so that if you can just get people into a good place where they know, you know, when they've got to take an hour out of their day to harness all of those reactive questions, right? Mm-hmm. And you do the same your end. You know, you're probably going to have a reasonably productive couple of hours, but the rest of the day would be far more productive as well because you've got to do the work that you've got to do mm-hmm. and i think that's that's the problem with, that's a big problem with homeworking is that where people are in the reactive mindset then um then everyone just gets pinged and it's impossible to get away from it's literally impossible to separate domestic life from work life yeah. um so that's yeah and i just thought about that and i thought mm, i hope i'm not really guilty of doing that <laughs> no, you know, who knows it's hard though isn't it because there's so many I think when it comes to flexible working or changing our ways of working there's lots of like bad habits that we almost need to iron out and or like change in order to actually be more effective because it's even you know people just kind of booking meetings for meeting's sake because that's the way it used to be done in the office and then again because everyone is available online Mm just all of a sudden these kind of random meetings are happening and it's cutting into so many hours of the day yeah. um, and people are in them that don't even need to be involved in them or they're just, you know, someone's soapbox <laughs> to, to share yeah. something. Yeah. It's, yeah, there's a lot of kind of those bad kind of almost like culture, you know, processes that happen within a business that, that need to be kind of reworked. And I think a lot of that, people have struggled with over the past year because they've just expected everything to be the same but online and how do you feel Lizzie about those companies who during lockdown they um they kind of thought right well like how do we motivate and create good morale and culture through online and started doing things like you know online you know cocktail making courses and cookery classes and and craft classes and things like that I mean I was always conscious that basically just didn't want to invade into someone's private life. Like, do they really want to be doing (laughs) cocktail classes or like painting with me? Or do they want to be out with the kids or like doing the same thing with their mates or something like that? 
I always thought I never ever got that balance ever right ever. <laughs> but I, I sort of stopped doing it because I sort of thought, right, well, we're doing, um, we're going to do a, an hour every week on Monday morning where everyone checks in and it's pretty informal and it's super relaxed and anyone can talk about anyone, anything, anyone, <laughs> anyone. What do you think about that person? No. And then, and then, um, and then that was sort of the tone of it, right? And then I would come in occasionally or some of you would come in and maybe that wasn't enough, right? But then I was always super conscious of doing too much. What do you think about that? That's a really good question. And I got asked that a lot over the past year and I have a bit of a, I suppose, a dislike for the the Zoom fetish that we all enjoyed last year. And I just think I get it because, you know, there's all this idea that, oh, we've got to keep everybody together and we've got to keep everybody having fun and in a positive way and all of this kind of thing. But I just feel like it was like overkill. Sometimes there was just too much going on and it was Mm. actually considering the, you know, and there's so many hilarious memes out there and gifts where people are kind of like over the like over the past week I've seen them where they're kind of like you know or when you tell your employer that you've got like you know some mental health issues they're like yeah 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 oh we really feel for you but make sure you your work's going to be due on that deadline yeah like cool cool but we're here for you we're here for you yeah, it's like that yeah. kind of stuff is like oh come on so yeah. for me it feels a little bit like false and inauthentic and were people really doing those kind of things before the pandemic is my big question yeah so it was really interesting in june i was on a judging panel for um the breathe hr culture leaders list so i got sent like this list of companies who wanted to like win this award you know and i had to kind of rate them according to the criteria and it just had me in so much shock of how much people don't get culture. And it's kind of like, people are like, oh yeah, so, you know, we made sure health and safety was in place. Yeah, yeah, that's your legal requirement. That's not part of your culture. Congratulations, I'm glad you're operating safely. (laughs) There was things like, you know, um, oh, we um, made sure that, you know, people could work from home. Well, yes, there there was a there was a pandemic, so people kind of had to work from home, didn't they? It wasn't like part of your culture, and there's all these kind of claims of how they've changed their culture, and it's like, no, it's all circumstantial. Like that's yeah. essentially it. it's all circumstantial. It's not related to your mission or your purpose. Yeah, and I really believe that there's a really good quote that says something along the lines of, and I'm going to paraphrase it now, but it's kind of like your values aren't your values until they're tested, you know, until they're until until you've been tested on your values, they're just niceties that you think about yourself. Mm-hmm which is so true. Um, And most of these companies couldn't talk about their values. They kind of listed them off like a menu, you know, like, oh, we're caring and we're this and we're that. But they couldn't relate it to any activities or the reason why they were doing things. Um, And I think that's, that's what it came down to is actually people should have been really leaning on their values at that time. And if they really had a strong culture, they would be looking at things and going, okay, so how can we work with our team, like co collaborate with them, to make sure we can all get through this together. Like, what is it that they want to see? Because um, a lot of the time it's very prescriptive. It kind of comes from the top down and it's, yeah. oh, this is this is what we think we should be doing, but is it what people actually want? Like, does anybody care if they want to start doing, you know, a bake-along <laughs> together? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. 
it, it's hard, it's really difficult though, isn't it? Because I, I found it I found it really difficult, I have to say, because you kind of think of initiatives and you think, well, you know, that just looks like it just kind of looks like the bare minimum, doesn't it? And it kind of just looks a bit piecemeal. So you kind of need it to be quite institutional, um, you know, long term thinking in in culture, yeah. and and that's actually really difficult in a global pandemic because yeah. because um because you know you don't know how long it's going to go on for and you kind of feel like you're reacting a bit mm. um to, yeah. to it which feels quite contrived and forced yeah. and i know that a lot of ceos have had that problem they've had that kind of thing where they've thought you know, they've they've had an introspectively look at what they're doing and think I, i'm just not doing i'm never i'm not doing enough i'm never going to be doing enough yeah um and some make their piece of it and some continue to to really struggle with it um which is just another you know minefield that you've got to go through yeah um, but it's, it's it's interesting it is and i think it's really hard because i think as a as a leader you do feel burdened with the i think you know every you feel like everyone's looking to you for the answers and mm. it's like oh you've got to make this decision and you're the one who's in this position so it's kind of down to you so mm. you're carrying this huge weight of everybody else's expectations and needs and feeling like you know traditionally as leaders we want to we want to fix all the problems we want to be like yes I'll fix it like we're the superheroes we can do this um but I think it's actually I think what I've seen the best from companies over the past year is from leaders being really vulnerable and authentic about holding their hands up and going, I don't, I've never been in a global pandemic before. So there's only so much I know, like funnily enough. So I'm open to suggestions. I'm open to working with you rather than trying to be the, like the, the fixer of it. I think that's yeah. really hard and it's hard it's, it's like a different mindset because we're always taught like oh we have to lead we have to show the way but actually sometimes showing the way is being vulnerable and authentic to people and saying I, yeah. I, I don't I'm 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 inexperienced in this experience as well yeah um, yeah definitely didn't sign up for it when you decided to set up a company <laughs> or, or join a company uh as a leader but no I agree with that I would say you know there are so many challenges in terms of individual personalities that are all very different as well and um and how you react to you know their individual stresses which have become potentially amplified you know as a result um people worry right you know which is totally fair and um to some extent you are the person that that they go to because you know it's quite a lot of it is pushed back onto work as a as a as a sort of stress or because their personal development or because they don't know how to react themselves or because they don't feel like you're not doing enough and all that and um yeah it's it's definitely i would say that's been a hundred percent the hardest thing for us to get right and will and, and i also imagine it's one of those things where you never really get it right you know you like there's one of it's like a big hairy goal that never really gets achieved um but that you have got to make incremental steps towards and you know it's like what we say at x and y which is you know you, you're never going to be perfect ever right and it's never gonna you, you know you're never gonna match the highest levels that people have in individual areas you never you know as a startup of two years you know let alone 20 years you know you, you're really 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 not going to match it and actually you know we can beat ourselves up about it and i quite often do um but 
what you've got to know is that you've got the right intention, the right mindset, and actually you are going to, you know, you are going to make big strides. And if you kind of think about that and you think about just having that mindset, then you'll make sort of good decisions along the way. And if you're a good person, hopefully as well, and you make good decisions along the way, then eventually, you know, you'll get to a point where like magically, like, you know, you are kind of, you are, uh, you know, you have built a really, really good environment and culture um where you know people you know you you uh, people are governed by how they treat other people as much as anything else right and yes you've got a purpose yes you've got values but as you know for us it was about being as flat as possible like mm. really not hierarchical, yeah, yeah. hierarchical not creating verticals just 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 as horizontal as possible where everyone knew what everyone else is doing and anyone could feel like they could ask a question but also everybody was encouraged to experiment but also to be really nice to each other and i kind of feel like um that's if you if you can get that basic right um then hopefully that that's a great start and the rest of it will, will kind of come I, I think because otherwise you know you can come up you can spend hours and i have hours fretting and freaking out and trying stuff and taking up people's time then it <laughs> completely bounces back on you and you end up being told that you're taking up too much people's time and all that <laughs> sort of stuff so um so anyway but 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 equally it's good to trial things out it's good to yeah. experiment yeah it is and i think i agree with you there is no such thing as perfect and i always like the saying of like progress over perfection because yeah nice there, there yeah. is no such thing as perfection like we're, we're human we're we're totally not perfect so things yeah. are gonna happen you know stuff happens pandemics happen um you know and we've just got to learn and kind of grow through things and i think as long as people have always got that mindset of like what can we do better i think that's always a bonus you know that there's no such yeah. thing as perfect and there's so many different things out there that you have to tackle within your company culture and I think that there's nobody can really strongly claim that they've they've completely nailed it I mean not even the gods of Google have really <laughs> nailed it <laughs> well, yeah you know the gods of Google are under <laughs> under quite a lot of yeah, the limelight is firmly on the gods of Google, isn't it? I mean, God it really is. quite a few. But you know, there are some stories that have come out sort yeah. of relatively recently. Are we allowed to talk about yes, a specific brands? Yeah, yeah. Well, so you, you get like you know the the Brewdog story. Yeah. You know of of companies who have esteemed to the highest level of culture, and have definitely not said anything like, "Well, we know we're not perfect, but we're getting there." Uh, along the way they basically said yeah we're perfect and our culture is phenomenal and then all of a sudden you know yeah. pretty widely known stories start to leak and then before yeah. you know it you know you get you get like you can't see that really <laughs> happening to the gods of google but it, yeah. it is an example to all of us to be honest um it is yeah it's it, and, and to be honest it's one of those things that i think it is dangerous when a lot of companies you know proclaim they have an amazing culture and it's you know especially when they're getting so much PR over it and yeah. they're kind of you know yeah. kind of it looks and I'll never forget going to a HR conference once many moons ago and I was so annoyed after the whole conference because there was loads of these massive brands there and I was like oh, I'm really looking forward to this I'm really looking forward to like 
understanding the inner workings of all of these brands and what they're doing differently with their culture, like a little investigator. I was really excited. I came away so annoyed because all of it was just like a PR stunt. And it was like, oh, when we did this employee experience campaign, it got this many likes on Facebook. And I I literally was putting my face in my hands. Like, no one cares about how many likes on Facebook you got for your employee experience stunt like what I actually care about is like what do people actually think like where you work like what impact are you actually making on people like what's different like what's unique um and I came away with with nothing interesting and it was really disappointing and there were huge brands there yeah I do yeah super conscious of the PR stunt I have to say like the whole um you know, climbing a mountain and telling people you're climbing it rather than just getting to the top so you can actually feel like you've got a sense of achievement. Yeah. Like, you know, you know, I mean, it's it's great to shout about what you're doing. And, you know, and I'm sure nobody hears about any of the bad stuff. <laughs> but, but like, what's the point? You know, I mean, what is the point? Apart from what you're doing, it's just telling people, I mean, I, I get there's a brand element, but like that should really take care of itself if you just <laughs> kind of get on with it right and and you create really innovative product with a purpose and you you adhere to some strict like so i I don't know whether you ever come across the b corporation lizzie but but basically it's this um framework and um assessment that that you do that that covers you know the highest levels Mm, of um of of esg i suppose is the paraphrase um and it looks at your approach to you know planet and people and various other sort of metrics and then it scores you and then you you get um awarded a b corporation if you meet a certain minimum standards and you know a lot of people shout about that and i think that's that's worthy of of shouting about but i mean after that i mean no one really you know like surely that is you know that is a pretty that is a pretty good thing to have and that really if any if you if anybody wants to ask about your esg or your culture you can sort of refer to that but i don't think anyone shouts about that you know, every twenty four seven as a as a PR stunt for having the best culture. I just think it's something that that you you know you do because you care. Mm-hmm. So I definitely think that there are those people who are on a journey to shout about what they're doing. Yeah. And I think that there are those people that just want to get to the you know they're going on the journey for journey's sake and just want to get to the top and then they can see everyone else below. But yeah. um, and I think I think that's that that's quite often the difference between those sort of they sort of really brands that are kind of skin deep, thin deep, you know, really yeah. kind of on the edge and those that actually have a purpose, I suppose, and yeah, and get on with it. Yeah, definitely. Because um, it's the same over the past kind of little while, you know, there's been a lot of countries, you know, that have been t- doing four-day weeks or different flexible working, you know, like Scandinavia and countries like that are like yeah. way ahead of us when it comes to the UK, but there's like these companies in the UK that are like getting listed in like different, you know, press features like, oh, this company are doing the four-day week. And it's like, it's great that they're doing that. But A, like, is this a PR stunt? And are they going back to this, like the old way of working when six months yeah. time they realise it's a lot more hard work than they realise? Yeah. Or is it something that they're actually you know, championing and going, no, this is the way we should be working. And we really believe in this, this way, because it, you know, helps 
everybody it helps with equality because everybody gets you know flexible working rather than just the age-old adage of oh it's just women that need flexible working yeah you know it's yeah. kind of there's there's so much more out there and I feel like in the UK we're so behind on this idea of changing our working patterns and our working mindsets but it still becomes something that gets churned in the press all the time like I mean every week there's a new story about some and funnily enough, a lot of the time they're advertising or marketing agencies. <laughs> I'm yeah. like, oh, yeah. that's funny. Yeah, funnily enough, yeah. <laughs> Where's the kind of like the pharmaceutical company or, you know, the MOT station down the road <laughs> four day yeah. a week? Yeah. And what do you think? Do you think people will be judged for enforcing a five day week? Do you think they'll be judged badly? How do you think companies that, that, go, that, that go that way will, will be seen? Yeah, I don't think they'll be judged badly because I don't think a four-day week works for everyone. I think mm. this is the thing. I think everyone seems to believe that there's a one right type for, you know, that's just like this, or this framework works for everybody. But it doesn't. And with the differences in industries and in, you know, different sectors and um, the needs, like the customer service needs of different of those businesses as well, as well as then going down to the micro level of everybody's individual needs, it's it's so varied. There are so many variables going on. I don't think it's easy to to come up with something that works. And you, I think as a business, you just have to find something that works for your business. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting because you can just imagine the negativity of, of a company now suddenly declaring that they were they were telling people all to get back into the office unless they really were like um, a ferocious bunch of soldiers like the people that work at Goldman's, you know, like it's um, it, it takes a brave company to do that. But then, you know, I don't you know if, if, if you've got health and safety covered and you think that that's the, the best thing for your culture the business I suppose and, and ultimate productivity um, and you've covered it with employees then I I, just, I can't really see you know I, I can't see too much of a problem mm-hmm. albeit that I will always think there's no point going to an office to sit at a desk I never will I'll never will I think I'd rather commute in to go and have <laughs> a long lunch with you know with my employees you know and my team and you know and a party with them that I would uh, go in and sit at the desk and <laughs> hook up to the internet I mean come 100%. on okay so yeah. let's end it on this then Rupert what is your biggest annoyance with um the traditional workplace as we have had it what is your biggest like frustration um yeah, so I so so I guess that the, what what its purpose is, right? So this this idea that you know people can you know you ask people to come in to sit at a desk, uh, and then you encourage this culture of putting your jacket on the back of the chair, um, because you expect people to be there twenty four seven or at least nine day nine hours a day. I, I think that's a real bugbear. I've got loads, by the way, Lizzie. So you know, <laughs> I don't know anyone, but. Um, you know, bad design, not caring about, um, not caring about, you know, the the the, the environment you put people in, um, you know, the impact of that environment that you're creating, and and not trying to improve it, um, and general lack of transparency and communication with with your employees. Everything that 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 I absolutely detested when I was an employee. <laughs> 
was like, did you ask for one or did you ask for 400? There you I go. Can't <laughs> oh gosh, no, I totally agree with that. I think, yeah, I would agree. Just going in for work's sake. Um, and there's companies who are still like emotionally blackmailing people to go back into work. Just, I think that's my biggest bugbear at the moment of kind of, you know, this, I get it that sometimes certain work has to be done with together collaboratively. I'm all for that. I love collaborating with people in a space physically human to human but the whole kind of emotional blackmailing of people of like oh well you know under your contract this is the place of work so can't remote work (laughs) it's all of that kind of bs that gets my back up it just yeah i agree i mean i just um for me i i really want i really wanted to create i really want to create this culture of of kind of trust that you know, people had, frankly, as much autonomy as, as they needed. And, and it was almost because everyone was different. It was almost a personal choice how much you kind of wanted to do, right? But but ultimately, you know, we would go through a process of assessment and, and feedback and and listening. And, and, you know, if people were good at their job, it really wouldn't matter, right? I mean, it really just wouldn't matter. And if they were good people, it wouldn't matter. Um, so... You know, it, that, that's easier said than done and I, I totally don't under, underplay the difficulty of that but I mean I guess if you can try and translate that into into a culture then that's kind of where where I wanted to get to mm. so that everybody you know felt like you know if they wanted to leave at a certain time leave you know if you if you had if you know if you're going to the doctor like and, and not have to ask every time right just go just like just do it and just employ this kind of as much of this sort of uh, asynchronized working or whatever it is, you know, if, if there are ways that there were lifestyle choices that you wanted to make, you like, go and do it. It's absolutely fine because I'd rather you, that's where you're going to have fun, right? You're not going to have as much fun as you would do, you know, sitting at work all day, right? But um, but equally, you know, just um, just make sure that whatever needed to get done was, was done um, or was getting done and people knew about it. Um, so, yeah. Fine lines, fine lines. <laughs> oh, thanks for your words of wisdom, Rupert. So where, <laughs> so where can people find you after listening to our conversation today? Is there any bit, anything you would like to share with everyone before we wrap up? Well, I mean, I guess you can just find X and Y. There you go. So X uh, and as in A-N-D-W-H-Y, X and Y dot K.U.K., and um come and say hi everybody should pop in say that they've listened to some terrible words of wisdom <laughs> and that that lizzie was very kind and completely lied when she said they were words of wisdom and come <laughs> and say hi pop in come and work anytime and um, we look forward to seeing you amazing thank you so much for being on refit thanks lizzie you're listening to make it thrive the company culture podcast I'm your host, Lizzie Benton, culture consultant and founder of Liberty Mind, and I want to inspire people to create unique company cultures where our human potential can thrive. In this podcast, I talk to organizations and employees about the impact of company culture. Together, we can make it thrive.